supporter. Thank you so much for joining. I sure appreciate your support, Sue, and all the other patrons who have joined. And we have a fabulous conversation today with one of my good friends that I've met through the spiritual community who we just have this chemistry. And I have to tell you that we, I didn't have to do a single edit this entire conversation. I may have to do 15 edits of this introduction though, or at least 15 tries, but it is the solar eclipse, partial solar eclipse day. I watched the live stream of it. That was pretty cool. There's an extra song in this episode because some of you have said sing more. I also want to invite you all to find your voice Fridays. It is free to everyone. Basically, we just open up a Zoom session and do poorly timed karaoke for fun. And the the chair dancing and the camaraderie and the self-expression is the best part. And if you would like to join us, just look for that link in my story on Friday. Let's see what else. Okay. So welcome Paisley, Kristen, Marin. Paige, Jen, Jess, Sage, Katie, Tammy, Aaron, Allison, Dana, Jay Fields, and Sabine. I am so grateful to have you as new patrons. I'm excited for how the community is going to grow. We'll be creating a Discord server for the patrons, of course. And I think that's about it for business at the moment. I just love Dana Espinosa so much. She's like a daughter to me, but also a very wise spiritual peer in this crazy human life journey. And we always have the best conversations. And it was really funny because we had planned this interview. And then in the meantime, she had this TikTok go kind of viralish. I haven't looked at it lately, but I will, uh, where she was being vulnerable about what it's like to be a large-breasted person, so which I can totally relate to, and I it it took off, and there's a lot of comments and discussion about it. It was very very interesting. So, the combination that resulted is the first part talking about the disillusionment of spiritual awakening and how sometimes we need to roll with the tide and allow ourselves to just exist and that be okay. And then we phase into discussion about uh, breasts in particular and uh, what it's like to be in 
a body with larger breasts and how society starts sexualizing you the minute they pop out and just all the things that come along with that. So without any further ado, uh, further ado, oh my God, without any further ado, I just did 15 takes of the song at the end, which you'll understand when you get there. The timing is really wacky. But at any rate, enjoy this conversation. And Dana, I love you so much. Thank you for coming on. All of her contact information is in the notes of the show. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. New year, new ad. Welcome to 2022. I want to tell you a little bit about my services. I do a variety of oracle readings, animal communication, expansion coaching, consciousness anchoring, and grief mediumship support. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I'll just move right on to the Patreon, which is a darn good deal because here's the deal with that. There's a five, 10 and $20 tier. All tiers receive 50% off all of my services all the time. Unlimited discount. As well, the $10 tier gets full access to all content, including all previously recorded content from the last three months. And you would think with only three months, I wouldn't have that much. But boy, there's plenty up there. It would take you a while to get through it, to be honest. So there's plenty to watch and listen to and absorb and learn from. As well, on the $20 tier, my VIPs get a free service every month. So that is like a 75% discount on some of my services. If you would like to have me as a guest on your podcast or you would like to be a guest on mine, go to my booking link through my link tree and book a podcast interview. If you have a good or service or healing art or intuitive practice that you would like to trade with me for one of my services, let's start the new economy with bartering, shall we? So go book a trade, go book a podcast interview, go book a service and go join the Patreon at Grooving Goddess on Patreon. You will have to go do it in a browser because you can't find it uh, in the app due to the fact that I have it marked 18 plus. So if you would like to join the Patreon, go do that there. And boy, we just can't wait to have you there. The Patreon has grown so fast in the last few months and I know we're just going to keep growing. So come join the Xanadu party and learn more about yourself, space weather, grid work, consciousness expansion, time manipulation and perception and much, much more. Welcome back, Groovers, to Grooving Goddess. I'm Andrea Land, your Grooving Goddess, and I am so excited to have my very good friend of a couple years now, and talented artist, writer, um, what I would consider a young poet philosopher uh, and all around amazing uh, young woman, Dana Espinosa. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I know right now you're not feeling all of that. <laughs> you're and understand. Well, that's a great title. I'll take a poet philosopher. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's very cool. 
Um, so just to, I'm just going to kind of briefly recap and then launch into that part of the conversation. We were talking a couple weeks ago, and part of what you were saying was something that I see reflected in a lot of people, especially in spiritual communities right now, that just kind of the daily material reality of life um, is demanding a lot and um, you know, whether by choice or just by uh, necessity, it's kind of pulling pulling you and other people away from things that they do enjoy doing and love, but um, just a lot of people having that kind of, uh, not going to sleep, but just like, okay, I'm awake, but I still have to deal with this world we're living in. And how do I do that? So Dana has a Patreon um, and a podcast, and uh, her TikTok is taking off at the moment from a strange, funny, random reason. But at any rate, I know you felt the need to drop for now a lot of that stuff. So uh, let's tell the listeners what's been going on. Uh, yeah. Um... I don't know. I feel like I'm still inspired in certain ways, but 2020, I was like really, I mean, we also all got to stay home. So that probably was part of it. Like I was posting a lot more and feeling a lot more inspired and free. And I thought there was going to be a lot more tangible change, but I probably had a too high expectations because I am a naive young person and don't understand <laughs> that huge, like, political, societal changes take a lot more time than just a few years. So I've just been feeling pretty disillusioned, had some stuff in my personal life happen that was really derailing. And I feel like I've had to focus a lot more on just surviving. And it's been hard to, like, just be fun and creative and lighthearted and free spirited as much as I would like to be. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. <clears throat> Excuse me, listeners. Um, it's a uh, fall and everyone around here burns things and some of it's necessary and some of it's not. And some of it has toxic chemicals. <laughs> so I'm a little hoarse this time of year. Um, that is a common theme, I think, among a lot of people and not just uh, necessarily younger people. Like you said, it does help having, you know, lived half a lifetime um, and seen that slow social change and the progression of how those things happen. But I think even people who are older and maybe just woke up or they were feeling really inspired. Because one of the things you said, I seem to remember it was very specific. You said, like, you feel disconnected from your magic. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of people are feeling that way because of all the things you said. Like, we're having, you know, we don't have we're not staying home. People are out there trying to get back to what is considered normal life, but not really. And there's a lot of chaos in the world. So it, it makes it hard to maintain that energy of uh, being 
you know, connected to the magic and all that. And, and the thing I would say about that too, is that that's okay. Um, I would consider that a time of really integrating parts of yourself and all that you've learned and, um, preparing. No, I was just going to say, um, preparing kind of for the next phase, you know, whatever that is. Yeah, I tell myself, oh, this is part of the process, and it's. I try to think of it like the ocean, like there's ebbs and flows, and maybe I just was in a high tide period, and now I'm experiencing a low tide. Um, I also, I think I was just in a particularly interesting point in my life, like I was living on my own for the first time from 2019 to 2020, like in a different state away from my family for the first time. So it was like a really new point of my life. And I think it's also just, I'm getting used to paying my own bills for like years and not just like running back to my family and having someone just take care of everything for me and being independent for the first time during a global pandemic was kind of rough. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, that's a tough one, even in the best of times and you legitimately did it in one of the worst of times. Yeah. Pretty awful um, for, to try and learn how to exist on your own, but somehow I'm still doing it. (laughs) I've been, it's going to be, three years, I guess, outside of my mom's house. And, you know, that is amazing. And I'm, I'm willing to bet there are other people uh, around your age that were kind of going through the same thing. Um, it's really wild how many of us had major life upheavals before the pandemic. Uh, because, you know, I have my own and it was almost like, <laughs> all right, we're going to disrupt your life a little bit to prepare you for this major disruption <laughs> that the whole world is going to have. Um, but it really was uh, amazing that you managed to go out there and do that. And I'm really proud of you. I mean, I see how much your generation is struggling way more than mine probably had to at that time of life. Um, just because of the way things are, the economy and how everything works and, you know, prices of housing and just all of that, it makes it incredibly difficult. Um, but I do know that it is, um, it has forward momentum for change right now. And that's the thing is it just takes a while, but it's, it is happening. I will tell you it is happening much faster than it used to because shifts that I, I have seen over the last few years would have taken um, decades. And then of course the other part of that, like uh, for instance, we just had Indigenous Peoples Day, right? And they have been working on that since the 70s and it just shifted and not everywhere yet. Yeah, I guess that's the good and the bad of the internet is things can like bad things can spread really fast but also good things can spread really fast now mm-hmm. that yep yeah, that's absolutely true so so you know i don't think you're gonna have to 
I don't think your generation is going to have to wait quite as long <laughs> as, as mine did to see different things come about. And even though there's a reflexive push from regressive ideals, uh, you know, it's that pendulum swing. And I don't think that it's going to stick because it, it seems like every attempt they make to do that, um, the people who fought so hard for those rights or abilities just uh, prevent it, you know? They just simply are right there ready to get in the way of any backsliding. And even if things are, like, technically harder for my generation and younger generations, to me it feels more like, it depends, like, whose point of view in the past you're talking about, because things have always been really hard for different groups of people. Now I think it's just harder for more people, which in a way is better because now it's harder to ignore this stuff and people are going to be forced to make things better or else we cannot function. <laughs> this is why I love you because you have those big ideas and look at things that way. And you're absolutely right. I hadn't even put together. I mean, you know, let's not sugarcoat it here. Uh, a lot more white people <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean everybody is but a lot more white people and so um, it was required I think for us to have this time of difficulty to wake people up to social change and how people are being uh, um, subjugated and oppressed and honestly enslaved I was looking at the football stuff in the news yesterday just this or that and all of a sudden I had this this thought occurred to me that I'm like even this is a form of white supremacy <laughs> you know what I mean like oh we'll let this demographic attain some wealth but we're going to only do it if they're willing to destroy their body for a few decades you know what I mean yeah mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah even like college um it's like even that now is not some like escape route for people to transcend their shitty circumstances. Like mm -hmm. even if you go to college now, it doesn't really guarantee anything at all. Yes. And most of my friends, like I dropped out of college, but my friends who have finished college are not in any better position than I am. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like that. No offense to people who went to college. <laughs> Cause it's like, well, now you guys can't just like pretend that this stuff isn't happening like you can't be like well I worked hard and I went and got my degree so I deserve this but you don't like right like they can't continue that bootstrap uh, <laughs> ideal anymore that that people who could it's so it's funny um, I'm pretty sure they never listen so it doesn't matter so I have a longtime friend like since junior high school and they have been perpetually getting degrees like our whole lives and there's nothing wrong with that I mean <laughs> I love learning and some people just dig that and love that but from the time we were we were like late teens and at that college stage she continually put pressure on me and I know in her mind judged me because you know I was fairly bright with school and all that and you know she just felt like it was gonna make my life better right uh, because that's what we were being told and she's actually studying right now to get another degree 
at our age, but, um, which nothing wrong with that either, but it's like, why, you know what I mean? Especially but, with um, the yeah. Uh, so at any rate though, I, part of my decision-making at the time was that I was told when I was 17, I was going to be dead by 25. So why the F was I going to waste four years, uh, or longer of my life in school so I could die and never use it. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I mean, yeah. I, I know that was kind of fatalist, but it worked out great for me and I'm glad I did it because I had the ability while I was still able to do that sort of work and work full time, like up into my thirties. Cause they tried to get me to go on disability, uh, as soon as I turned 18, um, because I had so much stuff, <laughs> but, uh, at any rate, I, I set myself up for, like, I was basically ba- able through my own skill and gift of the gab to get positions through my efforts um, that should have gone to somebody with a CPA or those kinds of things. And mm-hmm. so that set me up to now be having more of a, um, a sustainable, uh, fixed income after I had to go on disability. And it also just has worked out for me. I mean, I, I'm not rolling in it. I'm struggling right now, just like everybody else, but I do have my own home and, and those things. Whereas my friend who did college for life and has had such high paying jobs, um, does not own a thing and has lost lots of stuff over and over again. Um, and you know, probably a lot of it due to student loan debt and some of those mm-hmm. things. And so it's like, who is better off now? You know what I mean? I genuinely don't think people with, I mean, if you're a super rich person or you got a full ride and don't have any debt, maybe you're better off. But like, I have a friend, not going to name names, whatever. <laughs> She's not going to listen to she, uh, we had the same job. We were both working in a daycare, making the same amount of money. She had her degree as an art teacher that she, as soon as she finished college, decided she didn't want to use and now had, I don't even know how much debt, but a lot of debt. And she was complaining to me to my face one time. She was like, I have a degree. I don't deserve to be getting paid like this. Oh. Like, saying it to me. We have the same job, and I'm like, okay, so in your mind, you don't deserve this, but I do. Like, I don't feel bad for you. <laughs> like, that's that's shitty. And if that's the only reason you got a degree was to be able to say that, like, then you mm-hmm. kind of deserve to be in the same position as me. Right, right. And ironically, because I dropped out, um, and now they're doing the student loan forgiveness, I am going to get all of my debt forgiven because I didn't keep getting more debt. Mm-hmm. But like my sister who got her, like finished her degree and like got a loan to go study abroad and all this like fancy stuff, it will just forgive some of her debt, but she still has like 70K. Oh debt. God, I can't imagine. I mean, I have a pretty decent, um, Debt, what is it? Debt to asset ratio, I think. But um, I, you know, it's it's like a house and stuff. But if I just had 
debt sitting out there. That would be so much pressure right now. Um, yeah, so I really, I mean, I feel for everybody, no matter what choices they made, but I think that's kind of the point of this time period, especially for intuitives and creatives and all of that, is to give yourself space to take a break like you're doing and allow yourself to process how you're feeling about everything and find your equilibrium again. And um, also just giving each other grace that we've, we've kind of all been through the same thing, but I think it's just human nature to be kind of navel-gazy about it and not realize, oh, the entire world, even if they're not outwardly expressing it or aware of it, have been through the same trauma, and that's affecting every single person you come in contact with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like when my friend said that, I don't think she even understood that what she was saying was rude. Like she mm -hmm. was thinking about herself. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, like when I dropped out of college because I had gotten an abortion the summer before mm -hmm. school was supposed to start again. And I was like, you know, <laughs> I think I need to take some time for myself. Mm -hmm. um, and I, my plan was to go back. But then once I was free from that system, I realized, I didn't even actually like it that much. Everyone's mm -hmm. telling me I had to do this. Mm -hmm. And I want to be a writer. So, like, do I really need this random school to teach me how to be a writer? Probably not. And have not had the desire to go back since. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it makes sense to me. And I, I think one of the things, and it's, it's all because of money, because, ed, you know, education has become this huge business mm -hmm. uh, to the degree where some universities are like, well, we need to lower our standards because admissions are, admissions are down, which is good in the way that it gives people opportunities who wouldn't get it. But at the same time, it's like, well, then what are the standards? <laughs> What's the point of any of this if... It's just like, all right, well, we're just going to give participation trophies to anyone who gives us $20,000. And now bodies in a room <laughs> mm -hmm, to justify our existence. Uh, yeah. And I think if they would just wait, like if they would encourage kids to graduate and then maybe get a job, maybe do some volunteer work, something like that. And then like around 20 go, yeah, I want to go to college or because then you have an idea of what you want to do. But I think it's really hard to have that right away as soon as you've gotten out of high school. Uh, yeah, some I'm people know, to, but yeah, a few people I would say overall. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to convince my little sister to do that because I'm like, don't make the same mistakes I did. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's so much pressure when you're in high school. Like I was going off to college at 17 years old. Mm. And I had never had a job before. I had never saved money before. Mm -hmm. I had just been like living in my tiny town with the people I grew up with, with my whole life. So I had no perspective at all. And I definitely think it's worth at least taking a year at the minimum before mm -hmm. you just go straight off. I agree too. And, and, you know, I'll admit I, I fought that with my oldest a little bit, not because I was trying to send her to college right away, but because 
there were some scholarships that he could have gotten if he had just gone straight out of high school. That's how they get you. It's like an MLM. <laughs> yeah, that's how they get you. But he he knew his mind and I understood what he was saying and you know I respected his feelings about his own life and um he took a, a break and of course I mean he graduated in the freaking middle of lockdown um oh my God. yeah <laughs> but he he just left for um an aviation maintenance program that's like 18 months and you know over the course of the last couple of years he had two different kinds of jobs and got a lot of you know he had a chance to figure out that yeah this is something I would really love doing and um, he had enough grants and uh, all of that that he's mostly not having to pay for any of it or take out any loans so I think it can really work to your benefit to wait mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's uh, only a very small group of people who actually should go right right from high school. And if you want to be creative, especially, like, there's literally no reason to rush to go to art school. <laughs> like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You just got to, like, develop your own voice as a creative first before you have some random professor telling you what you should be making and how you should be making it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember because we talk to a lot of artists on Meow Podcast, because, you know, I just love all of, all of you artists so much. Um, I feel like you are uh, breathing the new world into existence and bringing a lot of healing and change. But um, I think it might have been, it was either Diana Lee Art or um, Cat Crow, but we had them on Meow Podcast. And in one of those conversations, because Serafina, um, did some art study and paints a bit and um, one of the things we talked about was just that how art school uh, has a tendency to crush and ruin creativity yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and and then it it winds up unless you want to go be an art professor or do something like that it, it it's not um, it's not worth the money or the time that you could just be painting. I feel like even the whole like philosophy behind like the concept of going to a university to be an artist is like antithetical <laughs> to being an artist. Uh huh. It really is. I mean, like, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, so what do you, like, what do you see? I'm not like asking, where do you see yourself in five <laughs> years? What's your five year plan? Not that, but just like, um, how are you feeling right now about it? Cause I love your ocean analogy about the tide. That is a, such a great way to look at it because that is, that, that is what it feels like sometimes. And also with consciousness expansion and all of that, there's like mm -hmm. these surges and then you just kind of float for a while and, uh, you're, you know, you're just chilling, moving through things. And, but, um, the TikTok thing, <laughs> uh, I'll put up the links to those when I share the episode, but I know you had 
um, a very vulnerable TikTok that you uploaded um, about what it's like to have large breasts in society and how you're treated and everything um, and how it can be so physically uncomfortable sometimes and you just want to be left alone by the world but like they're just kind of there and so our societal obsession makes it guaranteed you're going to get attention you don't want pressure and stuff so uh, it went viral uh, had quite a few views and likes and all that so and then I know there's been like follow-up stuff so I wanted to talk about that a little if you don't mind because I am yeah. also an owner of the <laughs> Got them heavy boobs, heavy boobs. <laughs> <laughs>
The result of this swindle is pointedly clear. Do you buy a titsling or do you buy a proceed? I, and you know, all of my art has nude women in it for the most part, um, if you've looked at my art or whatever. Um, and the reason I always draw, like, most of my art, the, the woman in it is supposed to be me. I don't, you don't have to view it as me, but when I'm making it, it's me. Mm -hmm. And I always make myself nude because my whole, like, not my whole life, but, you know, once I develop boobs, um how I was treated by my own family, by men, by friends, like how it feels to try to find clothes, how you're perceived in your clothes. All these things uh, were greatly influenced by the fact that I just have large tits. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I'd never even wanted big boobs. It wasn't something I always hoped for or anything. It just kind of happened as soon as I went through puberty. And I thought they were disgusting for most of my youth. Like I, I used to think uh, that I literally was deformed. Like I would look at them and be like, there's something wrong with me. Like my body's not developing like it's supposed to because I have all these super red, angry stretch marks. I used to put makeup on them when Aww. I was like, to cover them because I thought it was like bad, like not natural. Because <laughs> anytime you see boobs on TV or in paintings or in movies, they all kind of look the same. Mm -hmm. um, so, and my mom has similar boobs to me, and she never was even shirtless in front of me ever. So I never even saw what hers looked like. I just knew she never took her bra off. Mm -hmm. and if, she, if she was around us without a bra, she kept her arms under her boobs, holding them up. So even her children would not perceive like how her boobs actually hang. Wow. Yeah, like if she ever came out in the middle of the night because like we're being too loud or something, she I have the memory of her just pushing her boobs up under her arms, like yelling at us. And, um, wow. Um, so it was always a thing for me. And I even had my, my older sister used to shame me for my boobs because she had small ones. And she told me my boobs were disgusting when I was like 17 or 18. I still remember that. I don't think she remembers it, but like those things, you know, stick with you. Mm -hmm. And going to college for the first time and like being on my own with a bunch of guys my own age, like suddenly just being approached all day long by all these random men who literally are only interested in me because of the shape of my body. Mm -hmm. um, and as I've gotten older, they've just gotten bigger. And right. It wasn't until the pandemic that I stopped wearing a bra because I had nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was like, well, I don't need to wear a bra, so let's try to get used to not wearing one. And uh, I can't even stand to wear one now. Mm -hmm. Now I just exist with them out yesterday I went to a job interview and I didn't wear a bra because I was like I don't want to wear a bra <laughs> and I'm wearing a, a shirt that's not showing them at all they just are big so like why should I have to wear a bra just because they're big and that's just kind of how I live life now I'm like uh-huh if, if there's no actual reason I'm not gonna 
put them away. They're just going to exist just like everybody else's body parts get to exist. You know, you are such a fucking badass. And, you know, <laughs> I want to tell you this thing that you're doing right now, it may feel, I mean, I'm sure you're probably already aware of this because you're so intuitive. Um, because Dana also does readings and those sorts of things as well, everybody. So she's, you know, she's a powerhouse, but, um, you're like macroing this issue. I, I feel like you're starting a movement. I'm not even kidding. 20 years ago. Uh, well, maybe 15 years ago, I started a little thing because I did a lot of, um, fundraising for cancer and breast cancer research and whatnot. Uh, and so I started a thing just to, um, advocate for large breasts and no bras and also, uh, raise money with some bumper stickers. So they had had that awful, like twins thing going on 20 years ago, some beer commercial. So anyway, I made these, um, it was a funny thing that happened in a bar one night and I wound up going free the twins. And then I was like, <laughs> that's hilarious. And so I stuck it on a bumper sticker and I sold some and had a little website and everything. So it's like you are pushing, I mean, you're not alone. Like we actually have all sorts of activism here about, uh, you know, women's breasts in general being labeled legally in multiple ways as lewd and obscene when men just get to walk around without a shirt on. And, and how breastfeeding your children is turned into something that you have to go hide. Um, so I think you are, you are like hacking this for a lot of, because the way, and good for you. Like, I am so proud of you going to a job interview with no bra on because I know, um, I mean, I relate to a hundred percent of almost everything you said because I have experienced it all myself as well. Um, but I still feel that pressure sometimes. And what I started doing is I get um, like clothing that has ruching or something comfortable that has some support in it, which I feel comfortable with. But yeah, I mean, your mom, that's, it's sad. Like she's, she's spent her whole life being, ashamed. yeah, ashamed and being literally in bondage of a bra. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. for me, like, even when I was, I mean, from the moment I started wearing bras, the first thing I did when I came home was took it off. Uh-huh. Yeah, they, and I have theories about, like, I feel like bras are not good for our breast health. Mm -hmm. There's not really any, maybe there are studies and stuff about that. I, I've never looked into it. But I used to just have... Like, I think around the age of 21, if I would lift my arms, my shoulders would pop. Mm. Like, any time I moved my arms. And it was because I was wearing such uh, tight bras trying to lift my boobs as high as they could go. Because I was mm -hmm. so anxious about the concept of people perceiving them as saggy. Mm -hmm. And, like, people can't know how low my boobs hang or else they'll think I'm gross. So mm -hmm. I was literally hurting my own body to yeah. look a certain way. And I would only buy clothes that I, like I would buy clothes and be like, this doesn't really fit me, but if I wear a bra, it will fit me. Mm -hmm. And I like my whole wardrobe, everything I owned could only be worn with a bra. So since I stopped wearing a bra, I was like, 
I need to start figuring out what clothes I can wear and still like look cute in and not wear a bra because I'm not going to have permanent back damage uh -huh. <laughs> to have unnaturally high tits. And now I don't have any back pain. My shoulders don't click anymore. Um, if I do get back pain, it's just from like not stretching enough or not being mobile enough, like spending too much time at a desk. But I don't wake up and just have back pain. And my boobs are pretty fucking big. <laughs> like yeah. they, at the minimum, are like five <laughs> pounds each, if not more. Yeah, I think mine are about um, two to three pounds each. Uh, I'm so used to them at this point that I don't know that I have a good measure of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, exactly. I'd have to go stick them on a fruit scale. <laughs> Yeah, I want to. I've been wanting to do that. So I'm like, I want to know how much extra weight I'm pull, like carrying around all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a friend of mine who did have a reduction because it was just she was, was so uncomfortable for her. Even you know, if she had just gone braless, it still would have been uncomfortable. <coughs> Sorry, everybody. I'm gonna pause for a second. All right, we're back. I had to run and get some eucalyptus because I had a uh, burn pile frog in my throat. <laughs> but um, what what you're talking about about uh, the weight? So my friend, um, they she had like 16 pounds that she was carrying around on her chest. Oh my god! Right? <laughs> and also, um, when I made like I've had a a fuck ton of comments come in on my TikTok. It's mm -hmm. at like 800,000 <gasps> oh views right now. Oh my gosh, um, that's amazing, Dana. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to amount to anything, but it's interesting. Yeah, it really uh, is. I was like expecting it to get some traction, but not that much. Because mm -hmm. um, I just kept seeing the reduction videos, and like I totally, people think if I made that, I'm like, anti-reduction mm -hmm. i'm just speaking about my own experience of having family members who mocked me for my boobs encouraged me to get a breast reduction and uh, being someone who doesn't physically need one to function right i'm just talking from my own perspective because there are definitely situations where it's like okay you should just have a better quality of life you you should do that Mm -hmm. But there's also lots of people, and it's reflected in my comments, who um, get it just because they feel like their boobs are gross or mm -hmm. they think it makes them look fat because, mm -hmm. you know, the worst thing you could look in the world is fat. <laughs> and, uh, right. Right. People wanting to achieve a certain aesthetic, and that's what I was talking about. Not right. to say that those people who get it for actual health mobility reasons don't exist. I was just talking about that one other side of it, which right. people were like offended by. I'm like, it's mm. a five second TikTok guys. I can't. I know, <laughs> right? The whole issue. <laughs> I'm just talking about one thing right here. Yeah. Um, well, it's like, there's so much in there because it's like, uh, it's, there's a difference between saying, um, cause I mean, I know you're like, do whatever you want with your body, but if you're doing it because people have pressured you, like they've pressured me and you've been made to feel like there's something wrong with you, then that is not 
a good thing either. And, you know, we don't need to impose these beauty norms or beauty standards on people to the degree where they've got to go get surgery. It's just ridiculous. And about the bra thing. Um, oh, gosh, I just realized I have the perfect song to slap on the end of this episode. <laughs> um, so my grandmother and my mother both, because they wore those Playtex 18-hour bras with, like, the really old, thick elastic and everything, they have grooves, like, permanent grooves oh in their shoulders. Uh, it's yeah, just... Yeah, that's like, you can't, you can't tell me that that doesn't negatively affect your breast health. And then we have all of these lymph nodes in our chest, like, specifically... Mm -hmm in the area where the bra is constricting yeah and i didn't notice it before because i had been wearing like when i first developed boobs i used to wear two bras to go to school like two sports bras that i would put to the tightest that i could make them go because i did not want them to be perceived and i didn't notice till i stopped wearing bras that i think i had numbed like the back part of my rib cage where the mm. band holds and once I stopped wearing a bra, I realized, like, how much pain the straps were causing to that area. And mm -hmm. then when I take the bra off now, I can feel how the blood flow is better. Mm -hmm. So I'm not wearing it anymore. And I'm just like, so I have breast cancer running in my family. I have the gene for it. My mm -hmm. mom had it. My grandma had it. And I'm just like, I wonder if, you know, cutting off our blood flow and obstructing our lymph nodes doesn't help mm -hmm. that. Well, yeah, because, you know, that's the other reason why um, deodorant with aluminum is so bad is because it blocks those lymph nodes and those normal glandular functions. Um, and the, the studies, um, there actually was, and I know there's probably lots of others, but the only one I'm personally familiar with is a French study that's, I think, at least 20 years old that said that um, it found the results were that uh, wearing a bra actually weakens your your um, chest muscles, your yeah. like the whole structure, so that it you would actually have perkier breasts if you just yeah. didn't hadn't worn one, you know. And I have noticed since I stopped because. Uh, like I said, I still wear them sometimes out in public, but like you, I've kind of adapted my wardrobe so that I feel comfortable um, and I'm not constricted anywhere in my body. But uh, they did get perkier at 40, which yep. is, you know, <laughs> it's like not yeah. supposed to happen. I definitely think that's true. Like my boobs have gotten bigger than when I originally stopped wearing a bra almost three years ago, and they are higher than they were before. Mm -hmm, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And not to be creepy or anything, but, you know, I, I see you on video, and I see your art and, and your photos and your flow dancing and everything, so I know what you look like. And I, to be honest, I wouldn't have even known you weren't wearing one. I, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um that, you know, that's a huge thing out there for everybody who feels trapped in those garments. Um, and I mean, some people do feel comfortable in them and that's great, but it's like, we shouldn't be forced to do anything just because it makes yeah. other people more comfortable. And going back to like 
childhood. Oh my God. So I swear I went to bed one night in fifth grade and like woke up a B cup the next day. And then that began the torturous process of having to go bra shopping with my grandmother who took me to the place where the old ladies measure you like JC Penny or somewhere like that, you know, and they measure you and then they fit you with the proper, you know, bra. And so I, I was right in that. And then I, I'm, by the time I get to middle school, I'm having to go do, it's so barbaric. They used to make us do this seriously, but we had to go to gym and then we had to shower and we had to shower with everybody else and we had to get dressed and undressed for everybody else. And so everybody saw my like giant titted because I think by the time I was in middle school, I was probably a C. Um, and so, uh, they would make fun of my bra, you know, because it wasn't their cute little training bras. You know what I mean? So like I had there, you can't win. And then by the time I was 16, I was a D for sure, possibly a double D, but I think like you, I was just trying to make them smaller. So I was like, Nope, I'm not doing that. We're just going to squish these in there. And then I also wore really loose things on my upper body to kind of hide them because from the age of 16 on, it was like, not, and not just men, but like women and adults, teachers that would just be staring at my boobs, you know, and I, and I started to notice that. And as I got closer to your age, I had kind of learned to embrace that they're there and realize that they gave me a certain amount of power and I started using them in that way. But still I had to wear a bra. I was uncomfortable all day long, every day at work. I would be squirming in my seat, fussing with my, you know, my straps and adjusting things. And, um, it, it was just like, when I think about all the hours of my life wasted being uncomfortable, <laughs> it really pisses me off. And I too started to develop, like, I think a lot of the upper body stuff that I started to develop was strictly because of all of that. Because once I stopped wearing them uh, often, like I may put one on for an occasion and I like I have it on for two hours, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And then I'm out of that sucker. But since I started doing that, like you're saying, all of the upper back pain and the, the, the shoulder and the neck stuff, because I feel like those straps would just be pulling on all my neck muscles. Yeah, and people will be like, well, you just didn't have the right size bra. And I'm like, okay, well, are you going to pay for me to get, like, a super high-tech giant bra, like, that actually looks nice? Well, <laughs> I know. I need more than one. Like, that's, like, hundreds of dollars. It is, and that's a thing I think a lot of people who don't have large breasts don't know, or maybe, you know, some people who don't have never, are male or have never had to wear a bra or whatever, variation of that, um they don't realize how expensive it is to get a fully comfortable, properly fitting, like you're saying, giant bra, like one bra can be $80. And, um, and even then it's still not going to be fully comfortable. It's just and not. And then let's say your boobs get a little bigger at certain parts of your cycle. Now the bra doesn't <clears throat> fit. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's that. My boobs change throughout my cycle. They get bigger during my period and smaller during the rest. 
Yeah, that and, used to happen to me too. And they also, like, honestly, like every year they get a little bigger, it seems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my mom, um, and I think I've just had better health care and knowledge, but my mom, she was way bigger than me. And by the time she was, I think she was, she might've been 45, but I, yeah, cause it was before the kids were born. I'm trying to put the math together in my head. So, ba -da -da, ba -da -da. so maybe even by 40, by something happened when her hormones started to change with like, uh, the premenopausal stuff. And so I was so scared when I started going to menopause <laughs> because she was, um, like a, a triple G, I think they said by the time she got to that point and she already had so much you know, damage to her upper body and everything that for her, a reduction did mean, um, like mobility and comfort and all of that. But mm -hmm. I was like, I was so worried that that was gonna, um, happen. But I really think all of those things being said that both you and I have said is that I feel as this crystalline activation process continues that we gain more and more energetic control of our body's physical manifestation. Um, so I think we're going to find that like maybe the stuff that our parents or grandparents or whatever dealt with, we just don't encounter. I hope so. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> like breast cancer. Um, <clears throat> I went to see a geneticist when I was 19 with my mom since her husband died from cancer and she had cancer and my grandma was very like, we must know what your genes have. Mm -hmm. And looking back, I actually wish she hadn't have gotten me genetic testing because this isn't really like knowing specifically what genes I have doesn't really change much. I mean, I guess I can be more conscientious, but since I had family members who had cancer, I was already conscientious. Um, right. And she got us tested for the colon cancer gene because of my dad and the, the breast cancer gene. And of course I have the breast cancer gene because I have all of my maternal family karma that I'm sorting through. <laughs> and the geneticist, it's the gene for breast and ovarian cancer. And she was like, since you have this gene, you have to have children as early as you can. And then as soon as you have kids, you have to chop your boobs off and you have to remove your uterus. And she told me that as I'm 19. Holy fuck. <laughs> and like that, that's, that's yeah. her medical advice. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That I mean, and I, I do like I know people who have done that, but usually it's in like their 30s or 40s if they've had lots of family members and they feel at risk, you know, like at a big uh -huh. risk for some reason. But to, to tell a 19 year old that that's just gosh, and, but and to tell course, to tell anybody my, that, mm -hmm. of course, my sister who had like always mocked <clears throat> my boobs, she doesn't have the dream. Of course, mm -hmm. of course. The, of course. The poetic justice of that. And she was there when we were told, and she laughed when she heard <gasps> that I had it and she didn't. Oh. And then, and the, the trauma of being told, okay, you have this, and basically you're doomed. So you're going to have to like chop your body apart. And there was no like, 
conversation with my family after like hey are you okay nothing so I feel like another reason why boobs are such a big part of my art and like why I'm so gung-ho like I don't wear uh traditional deodorants I don't wear bras and like have these theories about like bras might contribute to these problems is because of being told that because I like refuse to believe that mm -hmm. just because you have the genes for something it means you are just doomed forevermore to yeah to follow this path just like your family members um yeah, yeah I it, where I was going with that but <laughs> that, just that medical advice it it definitely reminds me of something that like in 10 or 20 years, they're going to look back and be like, Oh, well that like, for instance, I just saw an article this week that like colon, the colonoscopies that they make you start getting like in your forties, unless you have mm -hmm. actual risk factors or any other, like they're totally unnecessary. It's, no need for us to be having them every 10 years <laughs> once we're 45 unless there's some because they'll tell you you have to go get it if you have zero indicators zero genetic markers you know perfect digestive health um and so anyway the the statistics are meeting out that it's just not necessary and so i do I mean, like, I'm all about preventative medicine and, and getting, you know, your mammograms regularly and examining your breasts and all of those sorts of things. But at the same time, um, I do think there's a lot of, just like we don't, you know, do bloodletting anymore, there's going to be a lot of, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of things that later and not too in the far, you know, not too long in the future, we're going to be looking back like, man, that was a bad choice or that yeah. was unnecessary or there's definitely a better way to do it because um that's that's extremely harsh i had an eye doctor i mean different part of the body but um it was the first time i'd had the iritis that you can get from lupus and i went to this eye doctor and she and so like you i'm 19 right and she says to me um you know, she, I, cause I, I couldn't see very well. It was really bad. And they just give you drops and then it gets better. But she, she told me like, just casually, you know, like your doctor, um, well, you'll probably go blind later if this oh keeps happening God. and there's nothing you can do about it. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I, now that I like, believe in magic and stuff i'm like you're like putting a spell on people to tell exactly them oh my god right and thankfully like, you and i are are yeah. rebellious as fuck and they're like no i'm not dying at 25 and no i'm not you know getting this thing mm -hmm. yeah like and i felt that pressure like when i having been pregnant young i'm like oh am i supposed to just have this pregnancy since that doctor told me i will like not have the ability to do it if i wait Oh, like it, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it affects so many like different aspects. And then now you just put this extra stress, like not, it's not bad enough that I already have family members who've gone sick or died. Now I have a fucking doctor being like, you're going to die too. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it sounds so barbaric and medieval when you really break it down. Uh, yeah. 
I. You put as fuck is just like just having a gene doesn't mean anything. Like the gene could just exist my whole mm-hmm. life and never be activated. How exactly. about you tell me? Like here's how you could prevent this gene from being activated. Here's like foods you could eat or foods you can avoid, exercise routine that you can start doing. Like mm-hmm. make sure to get sunlight. Make sure you're breathing clean air. Like, but no, let's just cut everything off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that does seem pretty harsh, and I I don't know if, uh, and and maybe they're moving away from this, but it seems like the old thinking was, especially if someone was young, well, I just need to scare the shit out of them, or they're not going to listen to me, whatever it is I'm telling them, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I believe you about the genes thing, because uh, I'm sure I had with my lineage and my family, my immediate family history, I know I have the gene, uh, for alcoholism, you know, um, but that never expressed itself and, uh, became a thing and it helped being aware of it so that I, like you're saying, I adjusted my behavior a little, um, just like you with the natural deodorants and all that, which I do by the way now too. It is the best thing I've ever done because I actually smell better and sweat less. Uh, yeah, I used to smell like a dying body. <laughs> uh-huh. I used the traditional deodorant. Yeah. It's like not nearly as intense. Yeah. I don't know if it's just being older too, but. Well, and I got, um, I got sick more. I mean, what you're saying about the bras, cause thinking about it, like when did I start getting chronic things that lymph nodes are involved with, you know, and it's when I started wearing a bra all the time. And when I stopped wearing one, I stopped having the colds and the sinus infections and, um, the issues that are caused by those lymph glands being blocked. And then I used to have like, like my arm, my armpits would be sore and they just told me, uh, that it was because of my Sjogren's syndrome, which affects your glands. But as soon as I switched to natural deodorant, you know, my armpits just like, you can feel that they're just happy. (laughs) Like there's no inflammation, there's no soreness, there's no buildup or backup of whatever. Cause it's supposed to function like every other, uh, system in our body and we just keep constricting it yeah there's i'm just so uh i find any western medical advice dubious because i'm like we literally i'm not saying don't trust any doctors ever but i'm saying um keep in mind that like pretty much everything that we're interacting with at least here in america is has some level of poison <laughs> involved. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, you know, our clothes release toxic things, the stuff we cook our food in, the stuff our food is packaged in, the chemicals they put on our food, God knows what's in our water, the air with all this, the car gasoline that we're breathing in. Like, there's so many factors. Even just, I've, I'm from New Jersey, and if you look at a map of, like, where the highest concentrations of cancer occur. New Jersey is like one of the hot spots. Oh boy. Being being right next to New York City and like all the congestion and pollution. And then we don't really have a lot of like natural areas to go to around there. So it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, 
there are other correlations besides just blaming our genes or right. blaming our bodies. Like maybe right. we should look at these external factors a little more before we start telling people they're going to go blind or <laughs> right. Right. It really is. And I mean, and for the record, she was wrong because my eyesight yeah, you're is, not blind. I'm not <laughs> blind and I didn't need glasses until I was in my forties because, um, I had better than perfect vision for a long time. So I was able to compensate, I guess, for the astigmatism. But then when I started to get a little bit of the normal, you know, eye aging where you get a little more nearsighted or farsighted, uh, the astigmatism was a bigger deal. So that's why I got it. Cause night driving would be the thing that was really tough because all the lights and everything would be fuzzy or blurry. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I get that too. Yeah, so that's why I needed my glasses. And, and I love them now. They feel like part of my personality. And before I, I've thought about, you know, I would love to have contacts. It would be fun sometimes not to have something on my face. However, uh, with my dry eyes and everything and the lupus eye thing, contacts are just not a practical thing for me to have. Not advisable. It's nice also to hear that you've had these experiences of people telling you you're going to die or you're going to go blind. And none of that has been true. It, yeah. it feels like a affirmation for me. Like, Hey, I'm not going to just get breast cancer just because my mom and grandma had it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I really believe that is true. And, uh, you are armed with much more health knowledge and you are also, um, even if you're not fully engaged with everything right now, you have really good energy flowing through you and you already learned how to tap into that. And so I feel like that, I, I, I mean, I honestly believe the reason I'm still alive in a lot of respects because I've come so close so many times, uh, is the energy. It, it's the energy that has kept my body repairing itself all these years yeah. and I mean you know, maybe someday we'll all have it down so well that we just never have anything because our bodies instantly heal but I'm working it out for the collective <laughs> for <right>. now <laughs> going braless for you guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> but um yeah I I think about that all the time like because I'm the type of person who thinks your emotions I mean I am just I think this has been proven that your emotions and like words that you say literally affect physical things so mm -hmm. if in my mom's case like if every time she looks at her boobs or heals her boobs she's like oh this is disgusting I hate them like all that energy is just going into your boobs mm -hmm. and it's like well are you going to have healthy boobs if you're just ashamed and disgusted and wishing they were gone? Maybe your boobs will be like, okay, I'll leave them. Like, <laughs> right. Right. That's what you want. And uh, even in my grandma's case, like she had a pretty emotionally, like just not a happy person in any way, shape or form and has a lot of self-hatred for herself. So it's like, well, that bitter energy has to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. I can't remember because I've been looking at so much. This last month of manic download energy has been a little uncomfortable and overwhelming. Just trying to 
track it all, even though I know it'll come back when I need it. But I, when we get off of here, I'm going to look up an article I saw about the latest uh, cancer slash uh, gene research. And it was, I know it's something big about their like, just, they've just now figured out, oh, this is what cancer cells are doing. And so maybe this other thing can help with that. And it's kind of like what they alluded to, if I remember correctly, was that they are getting closer to some sort of a gene therapy uh, that will will prevent the expression of those genes. So um, we are right on the cusp. So definitely uh, keep your body just the way you like it, <laughs> as long yeah, as you I'm like not it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, if anyone does need to, I totally get that as well. And there's nothing wrong with that choice either. They're all choices, but I do every fiber of my being. And I mean, they're even getting close to being able to prevent and cure a lot of autoimmune things. So uh, I, cause I always knew like if I was able to, if I was able to hang in there that I would get to a period later in my life where all of these things would start having better treatments, better um, understanding. And, um, and then also like, I didn't know what exactly when I was young that was going to be, I, I didn't foresee all of this kind of stuff and the prana and, and everything that happened. But, um, I just knew that there would be things that helped me to be healthier than I was able to be like in 1987 on prednisone. Yeah, I I don't know what the future looks like. Sometimes I'm like, things we're gonna get closer and closer to not utopia, but it being better. And sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe we're just gonna it's gonna be like nuclear disaster. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. In a, a totally wrecked society, I oscillate between those two feelings. Well, I think that would that's a pretty normal. Uh, thought process right now and if I had not gone through a few phases of that throughout my life with society I would probably be there too um, I do I do have a fairly confident level of I don't know downloads I guess at this point that in spite of how it might look on the surface that we're going to be okay with regard to the whole Armageddon thing. Um, but you know, I, it's still going to be tumultuous for a while because we have so many, it's like if one thing or two things were on fire, it would be one thing, <laughs> but we have like every aspect of life, uh, shifting, and trying to settle into a, a new paradigm while the old paradigm desperately tries to retain control. So that's going to be a little messy for a while, but I do think that, um, a lot of people like you and the, the people that we tend to communicate with and whatnot, um, there's, there's a flow and shift of energy that's happening right now that is going to help 
uh, everyone to get through this a little easier. And also, I mean, you know, not like fairy tales, like, oh, everything will be perfect, but just like some of the, some of the financial struggles, some of just some of the different struggles are going to be clearing for a lot of people who have already been engaged in this, um, energetic and metaphysical journey. And the reason for that is that at least from what I've been told, you know, take everything I say with a grain of salt, everybody as always, but from what I've been told, we are having such a mass awakening right now of people who are just dead asleep and would have called us all bananas and needing medication a week ago. Um, mass numbers of people are awakening. And so that requires people who are already in that process at different levels to be engaged and we're necessary and we're protected. We're protected. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> I, yeah. I feel like, um, the, the feeling I always get is it's not like the, the good stuff isn't really gonna, not that there's nothing good happening right now, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, the peace that we all desire, I don't see it happening in any time in my youth, but I can see my kids when they're my age getting to live a much more peaceful, unified, less war-driven, destructive mm -hmm. world. And I feel like me and, and you and other people like us who are like tackling social norms and trying to uh, resurrect a forgotten way of life are here to do like the dirty work mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> and that's what, that's why I feel like I had my dad die young and maybe you feel similarly with your dad having also died when you were young that like the world like from a very young age I never really had the, the feeling that like everything is great like I love the way life is set up and I, <laughs> I just want to I want to thrive in this situation. Like I always, maybe mm -hmm. my dad or just in general, I always was just like, this all sucks. I hate the way that I have to live. I hate the way people talk to me, the way I'm treated, the way my mom has to exist. And like the concept of just like getting a job and getting a house and paying your bills and blah, blah, blah has always been just not compatible with me and it feels like the universe was like always setting me up to be kind of like a uh, a contradictory energy like I'm not supposed to be compatible with the way things are mm -hmm. that's why it, it sort of feels like I always exist as like a social commentary <laughs> like, like yes you're like yeah. like that's why I'm like no I can't just wear a bra or like lose weight to make myself look skinnier like I need to trigger these people and I need to make them see things differently mm -hmm. even though it would probably be easier for me to just like lose weight and make my boobs smaller I'm just like no I don't want to I want mm -hmm. I want to make things hard for myself just to like prove how fucked up this is <laughs> <laughs> well and, and you know <sighs> I do think there is a certain, if you look at the more earthy goddesses, 
they are fuller bodied women. And I truly feel that my, my shape of me as I am is the way I'm meant to be at this time. And will I probably lose and gain weight at times? Sure. Cause I also shape shift in birth timelines and then I'm not pregnant two hours later. So, uh, things are getting a little slippery in that regard, but it's like, um, I don't know if you've ever looked up your human design, but it's really funny because there's this thing that's like your cross or like what, and not, not meaning like cross that you bear, but just what's, um, part of your path and going to be the biggest challenge and also your greatest reward kind of, I'm probably totally messing this up. Human design people feel free to message me. Um, but mine is the left cross of defiance and my entire, uh, readout has to do with bringing diversity, uh, like harmony in diversity. So, being disabled, being larger bodied, um, you know, having kids with different, uh, divergent sort of, you know, anything that's, uh, diversity basically Yeah. seems to, yeah. And, and that's really come in for me. And, you know, I, I kind of felt the same way. Like when I was a kid, I, I did not understand this world. I didn't understand why people like just human behavior was so confusing to me. Um, and I knew that even though I tried my hardest to be successful in those things and managed to, so I could set myself up for now, none of it ever felt natural. It was always like I was playing a role, like different roles at different times that I was required to do. And I mean, I found joy and, laughter and all of that, but there was also always sort of feeling of that, you know, being the outlier because when you grow up, uh, when you come into a, a body and a species, right. That is centered around, um, tribalism and group thinking and for survival, like I'm not criticizing any of that. It's just our biological instinct. But when you come into that and then you know that your mission is, like, you know, you're different than everybody. It's kind of hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's been super hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, um, it's going to pay it off though. Feel like, yeah. I mean, I still wouldn't, even though it's been hard, I'm never like, damn, I wish I was my peer who just like went to college, has like a, a functional, normal family, lives in my hometown, goes to bars, like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just lives that like normal life that you're supposed to be living as a millennial today. I'm never like, wow, I wish sure it might be easier, but it seems boring. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know. Like you, you called me a poet philosopher or whatever. Mm -hmm. I just have always had this like point of view that was always questioning and contradicting and rebelling against things. So mm -hmm. that's, that just feels like how I'm supposed to be, even if it sucks. And even like not going to college was part of that. So I was like, well, I don't want to go to college and just give in to this. Sure, it'll be easier. I'll have a degree. I can get a higher paying job, whatever. But what what am I like? 
what am I signing off on by doing that? Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yep. <clears throat> well, this has been an amazing conversation, Dana. Um, I know you're taking a break more from like public life, but if you uh, would like to let people know how they can find you, go ahead and tell my listeners. Yeah, I mean, I'm always making things and posting it because I just like to share stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you can find me at Ishtar's Return on Instagram, is where I'm the most active. Uh, my Patreon is patreon.com slash Ishtar's Return. There's lots of interesting writing and stuff on there. And I have fun on TikTok. I'm not really, <laughs> I don't post uh I wouldn't, I'm not trying to be a TikToker. Actually mm -hmm. having a viral, a viral TikTok has made me realize, oh God, I don't want popularity on here. People on TikTok are very aggressive. They, <laughs> they can that. be, they can be. For some reason, they leave me alone. I had a few things during the CERN uproar, uh, you know, the particle collider. Um, but for the most part, I don't know if I just have some kind of, but by this point in my life, I mean, if I've managed to cultivate and emanate the don't fuck with me vibe, but I've been very fortunate in that regard, but I see what happens with other people. And so I know exactly what you're talking about. And I have wondered to myself, like, oh gosh, if one of these space weather things goes viral with me talking about talking to the planets and feeling the solar flares, I'm going to get <laughs> raked over the literal coals they'll be like uh you know evangelicals talking about how i'm i'm a witch and need to burn um yeah it's it's too open there there's not enough boundaries to like mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. the way things could just blow up and like any random person see yeah yeah me uncomfortable but my tiktok is chunky baby seals <laughs> you want to just just follow for fun. Yeah, yeah. Get in on that boob discussion because that's fascinating. Um, it, it, I mean, and it really is. And I, I think that's that's one of your many talents is being able to vulnerably uh, express those thoughts about things in our society that are unfair, messed up, subjugating people, making people have pain, things that we're hiding from, not talking about. And so I really appreciate that about you. Plus you're my good friend and I love you. And um, I just want to thank you for being on. This was such a great conversation and I think it'll um, not only help those rocking the big old tatas, <laughs> but um you know, anyone, not just younger generation, but anyone who's kind of feeling like, uh, I'm just float floating through right now, trying to find my homeostasis and navigate this, uh, 3d world and not feeling fully magical, you know, um, mm -hmm. it's okay that there's those pauses, like you said, and the high tide will come again. Yeah. You can just exist. You don't have to always like, producing something or mm -hmm. working on something you can just breathe mm -hmm. yep just uh, do that quiet quitting thing go to work and do as much as you have to do not to get fired and to get your paycheck and live your life and do the things 
that make you happy for now. And even if that's all you ever do, that's enough because you are existing and holding these beautiful frequencies and putting that out to the world around you. Even if you never know who you've affected or what you've, you've done, you know? Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, um, thank you for being on and I know we'll talk again cause there's always more to talk about and I just love you so much. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. It was great to be here. Cats and kittens, let me tell you about Meow Podcast on YouTube. This is our collaboration between myself, Andrea Land, Grieving Goddess, and Serafina of Fraggle Ing with Serafina. It's hard to believe that we have been doing Meow Podcast, M-E-O-W-W, on YouTube for almost a year now. Watch for a lot of exciting upcoming events this year. We host a global panel discussion and healing conversations about topics including metaphysical, sociopolitical, health, really all about aspects of human and non-human life. So come join us on Meow Podcast. Please like, subscribe, hit that alarm button so that you get notifications of our episodes when they drop. We have many guests from Grooving Goddess and also from Fraggling with Serafina, as well as entirely different guests that you're not going to get on other podcasts. So come listen, watch, and enjoy Meow Podcast today. You can also find and follow our page on Instagram, the Meow Podcast, and send us a DM if you would like to be on the show, or you have any questions or comments, or just want to say howdy. So come on down and start your stuff with us cats and kittens in these healing conversations. Meow Podcast. It's not a vibe. It's a frequency. I'm Sarah. I'm Serafina. And I'm Andrea. Welcome Welcome to to Conscious Conscious Cronies Podcast. We are creating a safe space for other Conscious Cronies where we'll share wellness tips that actually work. With our combined experience of health challenges, we will shine a light on ableism and discrimination. And we'll share our spiritual journeys as health-challenged mystics. It's hard enough to manage disabilities without having a layer of disapproval and isolation on top of it. Even spiritual communities have ingrained ableism and shame those with disabilities through toxic positivity. Our experience is discounted along with our knowledge. But we want to change all of that by sharing our hearts, laughter, and occasional tears with all of you. Join Join us us in changing changing the the world. world. I try to mostly just put on ads for podcasts and friends and whatnot, but I did add the Anchor ads back because it does make uh, Mama a little bit of money and, you know, I'm here to have that energy exchange and that support and support myself while I'm doing this thing that I love so much. So uh, I put it right at the front so that you could just fast forward right through that mofo if you want to and 
any other ads that are on here. Love you so much. See, I told you that was going to be awesome, and it was. And I'll take you out with one more song, but I just wanted to thank Dana again and mention it is also the new moon, so set your intentions, all of that good stuff. And, you know, if you feel at all different today or spicy over this eclipse season, go look at some of my prayer content on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok about the Orionids and the eclipses and crystalline activation. Or come join us in the fun in the Patreon. Uh, lowest tier is only $5, so it doesn't cost that much to get you in the door. And I love you all, and I hope that you go through this day, this week, this life, knowing that you are loved and existing is enough. Just be kind, which I know you all are. If you're listening to this, I highly doubt you're an asshole. For my FYFB crew, I have so much fun with you. Hey, don't write yourself off yet. It's only in your head you feel looked out or looked down on. Just try your best. Try your best. Try everything you can. Everything you can. Don't you worry what they tell themselves. Your old way. It just takes some time, little girl. You're in the middle of the ride. Everything, everything will be just fine. Everything, everything will be alright. Hey, you know they're all the same. You know you're doing better on your own. So don't buy it. Live right now. Doesn't matter if it's good enough Someone else It just takes some time Little girl in the middle of the ride Everything, everything will be just fine Everything, everything will be alright It just takes some time Little girl, you're in the middle of the ride Everything, everything will be just fine Everything, everything will be alright The funny part is, you feel this way throughout different stages of your life. Teenage, young adult, middle age. It's like that tie Dana talks about when we all sleep it together. Hey, don't write yourself off yet. It's only in your head you feel it out or look down on. Just do your best. Do your best. Do everything you can. Do everything you can. Don't you worry what the bigger hearts are gonna say. It just takes some time, little girl. You're in the middle of the ride. Every
everything, everything will be just fine. Everything, everything will be alright. It just takes some time, little girl, you're in the middle of the ride. Everything, everything will be just fine. Everything, everything will be alright.